alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Hello and welcome to the special episode of Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing awesome, Cody. How about yourself? (laughs) Not doing too bad. We're in the midst of a blizzard. But anyway, we're going to get right to the point, basically. Um, You know, with the holidays and everything and... You were traveling to see the Iowa Hawkeyes bowl game. Uh, we kind of, we kind of decided we're gonna take a look at what happened in 2019 and a look forward in 2020. Uh, kind of in the conspiracy world, we got some conspiracies. We're gonna talk a lot of alien sightings and stuff that happened in 2019, um, and. You know, all that fun stuff. Uh, why don't we start off? We can't We can't not do the hot sheets. Let's get everybody primed with a good hot sheet story, Phil. So take it away. All right. So this one, actually, I have not purchased the brand new National Enquirer. That will be for next week's episode. Uh, so I looked back into uh, the previous National Enquirer. Teen murder suspect's mom turned him in. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean... Technically, that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, I mean, depending on how you'd feel about your mom turning you in, I guess I would have a mixed (laughs) feelings about it. So, a law-abiding mom turned in her 13-year-old son who'd escaped from custody after being charged with double murder in North Carolina. A 13-year-old killed two people. Holy shit. Yep, 13 charged with double murder. So, you're pretty much fucking done at that point. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm pretty sure that most states got rid of that, like, protecting minors, depending on what you've done. I'm pretty sure murder is always, you get tried as an adult. I'm almost positive. Yeah, you don't just get to go home when you're 18 anymore. You're, uh, because that's how it used to be, isn't it? Like, y- yeah. a person would basically spend until they're 18 in juvie, and then they just go home, and it'd be wiped. Well, I think it's depending on what happened, but the the most important part of that was that once you got out of jail or wherever the hell you were at, um, your your records would be hidden. So if you were a kid who killed someone or something and got out of prison, um, you're applying for jobs or like people are doing background checks on you or whatever, they wouldn't be able to see any of the crimes that you committed. So you could basically just act like it never even happened. They would never see the crimes you committed, but would they see that you were in some kind of trouble or had some kind of record? Uh, I don't think so. I really, oh, wow. I, yeah, like, uh, obviously, Ed Kemper, uh, the kind of meme to Bumblebutt podcast, he he was the same thing. He killed his grandparents and then was uh, in juvie or a mental asylum or whatever. And once he got out, nobody knew that he killed his uh his grandparents, especially the cops, if he got in trouble, they never could see that he had done that. But uh, yeah. the, I'm pretty sure that law's changed. 
And he's one of those dudes who was like kind of a normal dude. So you wouldn't really know it just by looking at him or meeting him. No, not at all. That's fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> so I jump right back into it. Jericho Werrell was being held in a cell at juvenile court, barefoot and wearing leg shackles, when a staffer opened the door and he went on the run on November 5th. Wow, after being so. arrested. Oh, you're saying before he got arrested for the double murder. No, no, this is, he was arrested and in custody, and somebody apparently left the door open and he got the fuck out. It kind of sounds like he might have been, like, let go by somebody, because how did he escape shackled? With just the door being let open. So it's a little weird. I don't know. Maybe they assumed a 13-year-old wasn't going to run for it. I don't fucking know. That's weird. Yeah. With Werrell and a 19-year-old man facing multiple charges in connection with the murders of two brothers, authorities immediately launched a massive manhunt and issued a chilling warning. And this is what they say. Division officials have a high degree of concern for the safety of both the juvenile and the public. Due to a prior history of assaultative and predictable behavior. And that's from the North Carolina Department of Public Safety. And they wrote that on Facebook. Wow. Okay. So, damn. Okay. Well, so this guy's still out there somewhere, huh? Yeah. Well, that's where the story kind of comes to. Oh, I see what you're saying. After he fled, Werrell reportedly managed to remove his shackles and walked along a railroad track. The teenager stayed at his grandmother's abandoned home, found a bicycle, and waited until dark to ride to the home of his uncle. And this was said by his mother, Nikki Jacobs. Wow. Now, according to his uncle, Wayne Lambert, Werrell wanted food and a shower and begged his uncle not to send him back. But his mother turned him over to the U.S. Marshals uh, Service Fugitive Task Force around 10 p.m. on November 6th. So he spent a total of about one and a half day on the run. Yeah, I I mean, I can't really blame the mother that much. It's a uh, complicated situation to turn your son in, but he is a double murderer. So, you know, <clears throat> it's maybe yeah. she knew he was dangerous, too, or something. You never know, you know. That's possible. All I know is what I've read from the National Enquirer. So <laughs> who knows? She might have thought that he's, you know gonna kill someone else if he gets on the loose so i mean that's very possible but anyway let's let's start heading into the whole reason we're here so um we're gonna start off with basically kind of looking back on 2019 now there's basically three main conspiracies that kind of rose from the ashes in 2019 but we're not gonna discuss them too much because those are those uh, merit full episodes so basically the two um, i don't know i guess they're all three are big but uh the two main ones are obviously pizzagate which i don't really i haven't looked super deep into it but it looks like it's been debunked but i'm sure there's still plenty of crumbs there to look at um, and then we have, obviously, the one everybody talks about, the goddamn murder of uh, Epstein. Well, hold on. The suicide, air quotes, suicide of <laughs> Epstein. We don't really know. A lot of people have been tossing out names of who killed him. Uh, what are yeah, some Epstein. E- What's that? I was going to say, what are some of the uh, the names that you've heard? Yeah, um, Epstein's a really interesting one, because usually you talk about conspiracies, and you're like, okay, 
This guy committed suicide, but a small select group think that he may have been murdered. But when you talk about Epstein, it's like, okay, everyone believes that he was murdered, but a small select people believe that he committed suicide. That's the craziest one to me, because no one actually believes that he committed suicide. I mean, it, yeah, the, the weird thing is, is someone with such a high profile as that guy, you feel like they'd be watching him. You know, usually prisoners like that, they watch him very closely to make sure they don't kill themselves. Wasn't he on Suicide Watch, too? Yes, he was. Yeah, it's kind of weird because every little thing that you expect to hear, like when there's a suspicious, you know, suicide or murder in a prison, is like, well, the guards were supposed to check up on him every once in a while. Well, the guards fell asleep. Okay, that's convenient. <laughs> well, there's a camera right outside of his jail cell. Ah, that camera was broken. That's super convenient. Like, yeah, every that- little thing. And there's the broken bone in his neck that's only broken when someone strangles you to death. And that was broken, supposedly, from what I've read. I've, I haven't looked super deep into it. Well, I mean, if you hang yourself, it's going to break, too. But uh, it's... I can't remember. I've heard it in true crime a million times. It's like the thorax bone or some shit like that. Now, I will say this. Coming from uh, a lot of true crime knowledge, I do know for certain that there's plenty of criminals, murderers or whatever, who are on suicide watch and the guards just like kind of disappeared for a minute. And then the person ended up killing themselves. So it's not the most unheard of thing. But uh, yeah, someone in his position, they had to have known... It would look really, really, really suspicious. I think the camera yeah. thing is what makes me really wonder. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, incompetence among like just your standard like local jail prison guards isn't super surprising. Like just from what you hear about, you know, shit going on like in other true crime stories. Uh, what's the I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, he's real famous. Who's the guy who just kept escaping from prison? Like, they could not keep him in uh, jail. El Chapo? Well, El Chapo is one of them, but he's a serial killer. Um, like oh, one Ted time Bundy. He, like, escaped- Ted Bundy, yeah. yeah. He kept just escaping out of prison. Like, he would just find <clears throat> a way. Just to exit. Make his exit. So That's true. But then again, that was in the, you know, 70s, 80s. So, it... <laughs> Times have changed a lot. You'd assume with all the cameras and stuff, that's not really possible now. And they've learned their lesson. But uh, am, am I believing this? Uh, I, if I recall correctly, Epstein essentially had a... It was throwing pedophile parties for, like, really rich and elite people, correct? Yeah, he he had, like, this island with, uh, like, a weird temple-style home on it. And he would throw like huge parties and fly people in on his own jet. And he basically, from what I've heard, he gathered dirt on all of these people and had pictures of them with underage, uh, basically victims of human trafficking is what they really were. But underage uh, people. And yeah, supposedly he had a list and he had evidence that he was going to come out with before he uh, committed suicide, quote. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's... You can see why that comes off as extremely fucking uh, suspicious. But, like I said, we this is obviously will merit an entire episode here, so... But it's... it's, I don't know. It's crazy. I think a lot of people thought after 
he committed suicide, I was going to like blow the lid off of everything, but somehow they've really buried it. Yeah, I really think it, if he was allowed to live and testify, I really think it would have blown the lid off of things. But now that he died, every you know, all of the uh, like all of the investigation into it just kind of went to shit. Like, oh yeah, he's dead, so whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Twenty twenty is a new year. Maybe something will come creeping out of the uh, woodwork. What's the what's the uh, the final big one, Phil? Oh, uh, there was a big one. Um, I've actually, I haven't heard a shit ton about it, but I have had people message me and email me about it. Um, the, basically it's this, uh, username QAnon or Quinon. I'm not exactly sure how to say it. A lot of people believe, and this person's been like, uh, me- on message boards, like talking all sorts of shit. A lot of people believe it's Trump <laughs> and it's supposedly tied to JFK Jr.'s um accidental death or possible like assassination okay yeah i okay from what i remember hearing about QAnon, like obviously there's a message board thing but weren't they in quote direct contact with alex jones too or they're like feeding him information or some shit Oh, I, I hadn't heard that one. I thought yeah. I had heard that. See, again, we'll have to, like, deep dive into that. Um, <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't really put it past uh, our president to do something like that. He seems to take to social media quite often. So, who knows? He, he You could see him hiding in some room on a message board or something. Oh, definitely. And he does kind of have, like, uh, like propensity to pretend that he's other people including like his own publicist like he'll (laughs) pretend to be uh his own assistant he'll while he's on the phone talking to like newspapers or media Mm. so he does like to pretend to be other people yeah and you know feed him shit so or feed him his little crazy ideas possibly (laughs) that's kind of i mean honestly it's kind of i'm not a huge trump fan but if it was him and this is all just a big little big swerve a big fuck you from him it's kind of a fun cool thing that he does you know that's true like that would be true. i don't know like, i mean he's like a the president and apparently like a huge internet troll i i don't know well, I, it, he's already known to be a huge twitter troll like <laughs> I, see i don't know i thought that yeah he is kind of a troll but i think he's like serious and people assume he's trolling right isn't that the bit yeah, people aren't sure quite if he's fucking with anyone or if he's actually means this stuff. Because there are so many Trumps. Like, everyone who meets him, I guess he's one of those people you get kind of like a different impression. If you don't like him, you're going to think he's a moron. If you like him, you're going to think he's a genius. Yeah. And, you know, like, which which one are you... Like, if you're in his camp, then you're obviously going to have a positive light about him no matter what. But, you know. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's a... Uh... To say the least, it'll be an interesting time in American history when we look back on it many, many years from now. So, um, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know what people are going to say like 20 years from now. Well, about that, like, so Nixon, the the leaker of all of the shit that happened with uh, like the Nixon impeachment was Deep Throat. And we didn't find out who Deep Throat was until like, I think, 10 years ago or so. Um, I'm hoping with like how technology is and how people can find everyone now through the internet, I'm hoping we find out who it is a lot quicker 
so we can do like an episode on it. That's oh, kind yeah. of the thing I was thinking too with the Epstein thing. We almost can't do a, a like an episode right away, or we have to do like a part one, then a part two, just on how much information might come out in the future. Because we might only have like a small slice of it. That right yeah, that that's very true. That's a good point. I mean, I'm I'm I would assume you would hear something in the next year, but who who really knows? I I don't know. It's hard to say. But those basically those three are kind of the big the big conspiracy things there's probably some minor ones you know but those are probably the three people who listen to the show have probably definitely heard about before but uh uh why don't we jump into the ufo related news kind of uh that happened in 2019 now some of these i had heard about and there's one in particular that i find probably the most interesting i've never heard of um but it wasn't the craziest year for UFO sightings, but as far as the government or the military, I should say, and UFOs, it was very interesting. So, um, in April of 2019, the Navy began formalizing and destigmatizing the reports from Navy pilots about UFO sightings. Uh, Luis Elzenado, a former senior intelligence officer, told the Washington Post that it was the single greatest decision the Navy had made in decades. So I don't know why it's just the Navy in particular. I feel like it should be all of them, or maybe the Navy just happens to see more of them. You'd think the Air Force might do this, or maybe they had already done it. Um, But being more open about it, I think it's really a great thing, don't you? Yeah, um, I I think it is great to be more open. I'm hoping the Air Force either like will follow in their tracks or already kind of has begun the process. A lot those organizations are really slow moving. Like, mm, yeah, really, it's kind of a weird, well, like a little <clears throat> pun deal. But like, that's a hard ship to turn. That's true. Know? No, um, I was gonna say. Oh, I was gonna say quick about the Navy. Yeah, um, possibly seeing more uh, UFO activity. Actually. The second largest air force in the world is the United States Navy. And you would also think, too, they're also seeing USOs. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Because, the, I mean, they're out patrolling all over the world. So they're going to see some shit. Have Especially you, off the coast of California is really big. Have you ever heard the, the like, theory that uh, UFOs use seawater or salt water to, like, power their ships? Um, I have... It's called uh, something like heavy water. Hmm. Um, they basically turn seawater into some kind of like almost not nuclear, but it's like an energy source. Yeah. I have heard that. That's kind of interesting. But what I thought was the most important part or most intriguing part about the Navy coming out and saying that in April, because in May, five pilots came out and told their experiences with seeing UFOs. Uh, back dating back to 2014 and 2015 all across the east coast basically from virginia to florida Um, they went on to describe them as tic tac or flying top uh flying tops flying against the wind um do you remember hearing this when these navy pilots came out i don't remember hearing about like the five pilots that came out but i do remember there was an episode of uh, joe rogan podcast he had on uh, one of the pilots. Okay. And it was a really good episode, actually. He actually brought video uh, evidence of it. And it was in, like, it was from the, I believe, the nose cam 
uh, it was like infrared. So hmm. it was pretty, pretty compelling footage. Well, maybe you'll recognize one of these names. I think there's only, I only have two of them on here who talk about it. Um, one 10 year veteran, Lieutenant Ryan Graves claimed that he saw UFOs almost daily and that the objects could reach hypersonic speeds and heights of up to 30,000 feet without any visible engine or plumes of infrared exhaust. Graves, who reported his experience to the Pentagon and Congress, said these things would be out there all day with speeds we observe 12 hours in the air is 11 hours longer than we'd expect. So I don't know if that means... Like, how long can their planes hover in the air? Only an hour? Like well, a jet. a fighter jet? Only, like, not even, like, less than two hours. Um, it's not going to be, like, a long time. If you have, like, a bomber or a cargo jet, those things can obviously, you know, they're not using as much fuel. Yeah. And they're coasting at higher altitudes. They're not doing all the maneuvers. So, obviously, they can go for thousands of miles for hours and hours. A lot of times, too... They can be refueled. Also, fighter jets and helicopters can be refueled also. But but I think what he's saying basically is these uh, ships or whatever they were, were going so fast and all that at such a high altitude that maybe no man-made ship or plane can do that for, you know, 12 or 11 hours at a time. I'm assuming that's what he means, correct? Oh yeah, uh, like conven- using conventional fuel sources. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, they would going that fast, doing all that stuff. It's not possible, like for current man-made flying objects that mm. we know of. But I mean, if you really think about us building something like that, it would burn all of its fuel really quickly. Yeah. If you had the afterburners on, just you know, fucking redlining it, definitely. So okay, I guess I have two more uh, of the pilots here. Uh, In late 2014, a pilot of a Super Hornet reported a near collision with a UFO when an object object that looked like a sphere encasing a cube zipped between two fighter jets flying roughly 100 feet from each other. So that's kind of, that scared the shit out of you. Um, (laughs) Another, what's that? Oh, I was going to say a sphere encasing a cube. God, that kind of sounds like the. Do you remember seeing those old biblical, like whenever they would show oh, like yeah. the uh, the the wheel surrounding like a chair, something like that. That kind of sounds like that. It's like like that that famous painting has it in the background, doesn't it? Yeah, like uh, well, I think it's like a triangular prism deal, but yeah, mm. kind of like that, like a sphere surrounding it, mm. and or that's a cone, a, I guess you call it. That's but really interesting. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. Like, the thing, it's just to think about it, like, in a movie sense. That'd be cool. The thing is, is, like, how these guys are describing them, that they look like Tic Tacs. I guess those could be the, uh, what do they usually call them? The cigars. Um, but Oh, yeah, the cigar-shaped craft. The, like, flying top. I don't know if that means, like, our, the conventional UFO we're used to seeing. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I imagine. That's what I thought of when I first heard you say that. Hmm. Flying top is the... Uh, uh, our World War One uh, conspiracies kind of they they describe them as like flying tops, mm. like upside down. So oh, yeah, 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 that's true. That's a good point. So uh, the other pilot, Lieutenant Danny Acoin, uh, could identify a flying object's president presence on his radar, missile system, and infrared camera, but was not able to actually see it in his helmet cam, which is. 
very weird. Maybe is he trying to hint that maybe they have uh, a cloaking device of some kind, like a visual cloaking device? Yeah, that's weird. Well, you would think that it would be the opposite. Like his camera saw it, but he didn't see it. Well, I think kind of like how a camera sees on like multiple, like more spectrums than the human eye. Well, that is what he's saying. He's saying all oh, his, his I, radars and everything could see it, but he couldn't physically see it. Okay, I thought you said the opposite. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense then. Kind of like how ghosts. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Have you yep. ever have you ever heard that the speculation some people say were like UFOs they could be up there and they can kind of alter what a human mind is seeing up there? Like they can alter what they want you to see? I have heard that they can use like the radiation from their own craft to bend light around their craft. So you basically are looking behind it. Ah, I have heard that. Maybe that's what that is. I I don't know. Um, the the last thing is that Lieutenant Graves guy said, um, this is his quote about the ships going so fast and turning and all that. He said, "Speed doesn't kill you." stopping does or acceleration so basically what he's saying is they zip so fast where they come to an instant stop that you know any ship that we're aware of cannot do that at all so that's very interesting he may have been the guy who was on joe rogan because i believe he said that on joe rogan also i mean that, that makes sense though right it does make sense if you were in a say you were going like in a jet you're going Mach 2, and all of a sudden you just came to a complete stop. It doesn't matter like what was inside holding you back, you would be splattered against the window. <laughs> if you were going so fast, unless you had like unless your craft had like inertial dampers, like in a sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. that were able to, you know, keep you from banging into the fucking beams every time you moved. Yeah, so that's I don't it's really weird. Like if if we think back to say Roswell or whatever, um, and all the other alien things we've talked about, the the military's always real quiet, or they're always in cover up mode, or something like that. So it's to me really interesting that they're slowly allowing people to kind of peer into what they're witnessing, which I think is a great thing for the world. If They're actually seeing UFOs or whatever the hell they're seeing out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of makes you think that if there is that whole plan to like slow feed us, um, like not alien technology, obviously, they're keeping that for themselves. But the fact that there are aliens out there, Mm -hmm. that maybe it's starting to come to an end. Maybe we're reaching like the peak of it right now. That That would be that'd be great. That's very scary. I don't know. All right, yeah, the the final kind of thing uh, in regards to this is um, apparently the Navy pilot reports, uh, they actually t- took it to a group of U.S. senators and kind of discussed the whole thing. Um, we don't really know what they talked about, but apparently a lot of the senators were really, really interested in it. So um, it's kind of like you said, we're kind of... I don't know what, uh, it's coming to the forefront for sure. Um, I have a quote from <laughs> President Trump about, uh, the, the reports or whatever I thought was kind of funny. He said, I did have one very brief meeting on it. People are saying they're seeing UFOs. Do I believe it? Not particularly. So there is our president right there. 
He j- I felt like that statement just meant basically he he felt like he had to get uh he had to feel important and get involved in it. Yeah, like he's in the know. Like, yeah. oh no, don't worry. Like I'm getting high level talks on it. Don't worry. <laughs> he probably didn't. And know they're shit totally about it. they're totally not handing me a coloring book during these <laughs> fucking meetings. So it's all good. All right. So now let's move on to July. I think everybody knows about this. The plans to storm Area 51 um, were were talked about. 400,000 uh, people would RSVP for it. But when it came time to actually do it, uh, in September it was canceled. Uh, not many people showed up, to be honest. Uh, two Dutch YouTubers uh, decided, hey, we're in the area, let's try it. They made it within three miles of Area 51, and then they were arrested and detained. So we we all kind of know that was a catastrophic failure for storming Area 51, which I think is literally not surprising at all yeah thank goodness that they actually didn't try to do it because if they would have overwhelmed like we said in our episode it's first the local sheriffs that come out and detain you you don't want to know what's next yeah like it's the black ops guys right or the uh yeah the mercenaries well yeah it's the uh the 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 camo dudes in jeeps you know yeah those dudes but you don't want to get past them either really no like it's it's not good for you like <laughs> but you i think that you're a human being with rights at that point like you're not gonna be <laughs> but i don't i don't think that if they um would you call it like if they actually did storm it really far with a shit ton of people i don't think they'd just start killing everybody would you no they wouldn't i mean that would be a huge fucking <laughs> you know the media storm on that would be oh, fucking insane. yeah it wouldn't and look good you couldn't cover up that many fucking dead bodies. No, like, you couldn't. You couldn't say, yeah, fifty thousand people all died of exposure in one small area where there happens to be a hole now. You know what I mean? Like, well, how about how about this? Even deeper conspiracy is that a whole bunch of people did show up and they killed them, and they just said it was canceled. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Would, <laughs> <laughs> there would be a uh, fucking sharp decline in the uh the whole internet community traffic on that <laughs> shit. you would notice the little notch down so <laughs> okay so um since you listen to joe rogan pretty frequently something that i noticed that i thought was kind of neat is uh bernie sanders apparently went on the air and said if he's elected president he'll make every ufo sighting or whatever the government has public knowledge but i feel like all the presidents say that and then they never do it so uh, I'm pretty sure Bill Clinton said that too. Yeah, there's a you're you go from being a private citizen who's trying to get elected president to actually being in that position and having like the real shit put on you. Like even if they only told you a small a small little dose of the reality of it, I doubt that you would actually go through with it. Like they wouldn't let you. You think you're the most powerful man on earth, but in reality you're actually going to meet the most powerful men on earth in that job, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> All right, so let's go on to... Now, this next story um, I actually thought is probably the most interesting of all of these uh, UFO sightings. Um, it happened in October of 2019. Uh, a rancher stumbled upon the carcasses of five young purebred bulls that had had their blood completely drained 
also their tongue and genitals surgically removed. Um, this happened in Oregon, mind you. Uh, when they were looking at him, there was no signs of buzzards, coyotes, or other scavengers having messed with the corpses. Uh, the cow's red fur was still shiny. It just looked deflated. Like, if you look up the pictures of this, it literally looks like if you were going to pop a balloon. But that, <laughs> and it just deflated down. It was, it's crazy to look at. It's just, um, we know, obviously, the animal mutilations or cow mutilations and uh ufo reports have been happening fucking forever right yeah so definitely. i so i thought that was really weird that it happened uh just this year uh, so i i don't really know they you'd think if the cows died like they'd have signs of like coyotes eating on them or buzzards pecking at them or whatever you know what i mean yeah is this also one of those situations where it's almost like the surgery was too precise to be done by human hands. Is that one of those? That's um, what they're saying. Yeah. Almost like it was like everything was perfectly taken off. Like, yeah. There was no like scalpel marks. There was no, it wasn't like they were like hacked off. Um, like you would think if someone was out in the middle of a field, you know, even with a scalpel, you would still fuck up a little bit. Almost. Well, and also kind of like the, the animals had been dropped instead of uh, like chased down or like shot. There was no like kill marks. No, it's just like they pff, were just sitting there. They had the blood drained out of them and they, for some reason, removed the tongue and genitals and just kind of, they're just kind of sitting there. But they're, well, I think. Ask, it, ask anybody who likes hot dogs. Those are the <laughs> best parts. <laughs> the, uh,. <laughs> The other weird thing is, like, the coats of fur on the animals were perfectly, like, preserved, which is really odd, because they they didn't really give an estimate of how long they thought they'd been sitting there, but apparently where they found the bodies, like, the ranch hand, had, it, it's, like, hard to get to the spot where they were. Like, you can't just walk there. Like, it, it's a really, really big ranch, and it was hard to, like, get to where their corpses were found. So are you saying they were, like, clean like their fur was clean yeah like like oh like how they would look if you were to present them at a, like a county fair yeah as someone who's actually like shown cattle at like county fair even if you like wash them and scrub them like the morning before once you put them in your the pen like even if it's 20 minutes before the show all bets are off they're gonna sit in their own shit yeah like you're gonna have to be there with the fucking hose and Hopefully you have gloves, you know, to get that shit off. But I, I think what they're more leaning on is like it didn't have much signs of composition. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Kind, kind of thing. But the ranch hand described it as they looked as clean as they would if you were to take them to a show or whatever. But um, yeah, more or less, I think what he's getting at is like the decoy. Like I've seen a dead cow that's been rotting out there or whatever, like their fur turns to shit really fast yeah so it's really weird what what's more interesting about this thing is uh just two years prior about 200 miles south in new princeton oregon a farmer named andy davis found one of his cows mutilated and drained of blood as well so i i don't know if aliens like oregon or what the hell's going on there um the local police they were investigating the camp, find any signs that a human person would have done this. 
Uh, Deputy Sheriff Dan Jenkins, who is leading the investigation, uh, told the paper this. A lot of people lean towards the aliens. One caller had told us to look for basically a depression under the carcass because he said that the alien ships will kind of beam the cow up and do whatever they're going to do with it. Then they just drop them from a great height. Kind of like you just said, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to say what this is, but I, I thought that was a really interesting story that apparently nobody's talking about. Yeah, I haven't really... I mean, you have... You always hear about those cattle mutilation stories, but they're always years and years old. I haven't heard any that were recent. Yeah, like, like this I kind of is... thought. I kind of thought that went away, just like crop circles went away. <laughs> uh, this was like what, a, probably a little over a month ago. That's crazy. Or yeah, no, I haven't heard shit about. Or no, this. October, two months ago, a little over two months ago. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, we'll move on to the next one here. Um, in, Nove- in November of 2019. Uh, a scientist claims to have photo proof of alien life on Mars. A Mr. Dr. William Romser, um, who works at Ohio University, claims he have found several examples of insect-like forms uh, similar to bees on Mars, as well as some reptilian-like aliens. Now, I was looking at these photos. Essentially what it is is... They have the Mars rover going by. You can see the Mars rover tracks. And if you look just slightly in the background, there is an object that looks like a bug of some kind. And this guy is saying that that is an insect creature or something on Mars. That to him is proof of uh, of life there or something. So I, if you look hard enough, it looks like a bug or an alien or something, but... It might just be a rock, too. I don't know. You'd have to look at the pictures of it. Now, hearing about that, I have one super quick question. Yep. Was that the University of Ohio or Ohio <laughs> State University? Because if he's from Ohio State University, it's like, okay, I can trust him. You know, Big Ten school. It, says oh, it said Ohio University. Ooh, Ooh yeah. Is that not good? I don't know about that guy. He's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't even get into Ohio State. Well, Got a, maybe. Uh, he, might be, uh, he might be posting up there a little bit. <laughs> Well, I think he just works there. I mean, maybe he's good. I'm sure it's a reputable school and all. It's just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, Next thing. Have you heard? uh, Well, go ahead. I judge colleges based on their conference. Mm. So (laughs) somebody says, oh, yeah, I went to to Stanford. Yeah, not a great team. Then I hear someone, you know. (laughs) Or no, it's Stanford. Yeah. If I hear someone like, yeah, I went to Yale or Harvard. Ah, they don't have very good football teams, but, you know. (laughs) If you went to Alabama, hopefully you can read and you have a good football team. So, Hey, doesn't Yale hang their hat on uh, the rowing club or whatever? Oh, like rich people sports? Yeah. I, yeah, I pretty was much. pretty sure that's what they were into. <laughs> yeah, fucking uh, lacrosse and shit like that. <laughs> now, um, the next thing here I thought was kind of neat. Did you know that NASA is planning on sending a craft to... The icy moon of Jupiter called uh, Europa, Europa, or something like that. Have you heard of this moon before? Yeah, Europa. I Europa. have heard about that. Is that is that the one with um, the? It's covered in ice and it has like liquid underneath it, liquid yeah. water. Yeah, that's what they believes there. Um, so apparently they're sending not very unique name the Europa Clipper spacecraft, and they're going to equip it with like ice an ice penetrating radar 
to kind of see what's actually inside of the moon, which is kind of neat. Maybe something's frozen in there. Maybe something's hiding in there. I don't know. It's, I thought that was kind of neat. Um, it's yeah, a, it, They think alien life might actually be living in the water underneath it because of thermal vents. There might be a heat source to keep life uh, alive, basically. Well, I mean, I, I the belief amongst humans, I guess, is that if there's water, that means there could be life, right? Because that's how, yep. obviously, we live. Um, but anyway, this this spacecraft is expected to launch uh, by 2023. So I don't know how long it takes to get there. I assume quite a long time. But uh, but yeah, so that's something to look forward to over the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, when we're in our maybe 40s or 50s, that thing should be getting pretty close. So <laughs> be excited, folks. <laughs> now, the uh, oh, I was gonna say, I actually have heard uh, it was on the History Channel, they were talking about possible like theoretical missions of sending uh, a craft to Europa, and it would have like basically a nuclear tip that would melt through the ice, and then once it got through the ice, it would turn into like a submarine. I have heard that they were gonna send almost like a submarine uh, inside the lander to go into the ice. So I have heard about theoretical missions before. I didn't realize there was like a, a planned thing. Well, yeah, I, this I don't think doing anything like that. I think this is just like an observing uh, spacecraft or whatever, not going to penetrate anything. As far as they haven't mentioned, I guess they have time to add that if they'd like. Um, now... This next thing I thought was kind of neat, too. Uh, NASA's test satellite has discovered the closest uh, planet. Okay, how do they describe it? It's basically the nearest planet that resembles Earth. Um, the planet is about 31 light years away from Earth, and it has similarities that could sustain life like Earth does. Um, its official name is GJ357D. Um, they've nicknamed it Super Earth, apparently, because it's, like, way bigger than planet Earth is, but it has similar conditions as we have. So, that's kind of neat. I mean, you'd assume if it's like Earth, there definitely could be pl uh, life there, right? Oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, if it's in the Goldilocks zone of whatever kind of star it's, like, going around, that would be really cool if, like, if it was so good that we could just, like, take a spaceship there and just hop off, you know, like they did in like sci-fi movies. That'd be really cool. 31 light years away though. That's it's a long time. <laughs> you'd have to you have, would a, have to be in cryo sleep. You'd have to have a fucking, yeah, I was going to say some alien, uh, what do they call those ships? Not refugee oh. ships, but uh, colony ships. You have to have like a oh, colony yeah. ship headed there. Either a colony ship uh, or like a, it'd be a generational ship where basically like everyone's taking their families with them and then the kids are expected to become engineers and, you know, take over the jobs of their dead grandparents mm. when they get old enough, that kind of situation. Would you, would you sign up for something like that? I would not mm. because I would never see it. This is I, true. If, if it was a, if it was a cryo sleep one, uh, I would. But a generational ship like that, because all you're doing is spending the last years of your life in a tin can, <laughs> hoping that hoping that nothing happens to the ship in time for your great, great, great grandchildren to one day make it. You know, <laughs> I just thought about that. If they they saw a planet that's like uh, super Earth or whatever, 
all the the like resource companies are like, man, we need to get there and get our hands on that that precious fossil fuel and all that shit. Oh, Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. They don't Those care about assholes. like the discovery. They just want the resources to make money. Yeah, they don't care about them giant Smurfs living in their fucking tree. <laughs> they, just, they just want those fucking resources. <laughs> Yet, I was going to say really quick, like, it's pretty interesting how they actually determine, like, what a planet is made of and what its atmosphere is made of. I uh, One of the classes I took was an astronomy class, and they use, like, light spectroscopy to, like, almost like the... The, su- the star that it revolves around, light passes through the atmosphere. So you can actually tell, like, what the atmosphere is made of. Like, that shit's really cool how they can actually figure that crap out. Wow, that is, that's neat. I would have had, I guess that's a good point. I had no fucking idea um, any of that existed. But, that, I mean, it makes sense. But uh, that's yeah. really cool. Like, if you were outside of Earth and had, like, the sun shining through the Earth's atmosphere... Like all, you know how like uh, uh, this is kind of nerdy. Like there's a prism of light. How uh, kind of like that Pink Floyd album, the prism of prism of light makes the rainbow. Yeah. If you stretch that prism out, it makes a bunch of little pixels. And like hydrogen, like takes certain little pixels away. So does nitrogen. So does oxygen. So if you actually map that, you can see like what is interacting with the light to take those little pixels away. It's pretty interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Okay, so I have this is a very final thing that uh, I thought was kind of neat that apparently uh, uh, was under my radar. But on December 8th of uh, 2018, um, China launched the Cheng 4 and they landed on the dark side of the moon. It's the first ever time something's landed on the dark side of the moon and they had pictures uh, of it, too, which is kind of neat. Now, the funny part about this is that conspiracy theorists were obviously all over this shit. They believed that they were going to find either alien bases on the dark side of the moon or signs that NASA had blown up all the alien bases on the dark side of the moon. And they there's like a giant crater on the back side of the moon. That's why... Some people think they had blown up a base there or something that had been moved. You know what I mean? Yeah. they uh, Those people realize why there's a bunch of craters on the moon, right? They, well, I, they you'd assume so. <laughs> you'd assume so. But uh, but yeah, is that, uh, did you know about that? I hadn't heard anything about China landing on the dark side of the moon. That's really interesting. Like yeah. you would, well, honestly, though, the thing is, if you if you watch like CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, all you're seeing nowadays is Trump news. They they don't have a second to spare for anything other than Trump, earthquakes, or hurricanes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's all you're gonna see. <laughs> That's a very valid point. Yeah, I don't I don't know maybe why they'd hide it or whatever, but I thought that was fucking. That's really cool. Like that's the first ever ship that's been back there and that happened you know this year so uh that's really really neat i mean it's just like you can look up the pictures of it it's just basically the moon still but uh but yeah it's kind of neat that they did have that one picture of this giant crater it looks ominous you know because it's dark or whatever but uh but it's pretty neat that's pretty cool they so they just landed like a probe Right? It wasn't, there wasn't people inside that. No, I don't believe there was people in it. Um, it looked, I mean, it looked like a spaceship. 
that we think of landing on the moon. It just probably, yeah, you're right, probably didn't have anybody in it. Yeah, I'm surprised that more didn't come out of it, especially with how much China likes to boast about itself. Like, I'm surprised that they didn't, like, make it more, like, apparent for everybody. Well, you know, every time China does something, like, internationally, like, foreign aid, anything like that, they do, like, kind of try to make a big show of it. So, well, maybe America uh, just didn't want to acknowledge that they've done it. Yeah, that's true. Good point. They did. Uh, the final thing is they did mention that China, I believe, is sending a Mars rover like super soon. Yeah. Oh, so. you know what? I just realized they probably did make a big deal about it. I'm guessing that like every single Chinese citizen like knows about that because they probably see it on state news all the time. Uh, but we didn't see shit about it. Well, <laughs> yeah, they probably don't want to acknowledge that. China's made it to space or whatever, so I don't know. Who knows? That's even a America media conspiracy in itself. But uh, but yeah, that kind of does it for our alien slash space news uh, that happened in two, 2019. I think there's a lot of cool shit in there. Um, but anyway, let's move on to Phil's going to take over and kind of scare people for the future. So take her yeah. away, Phil. <laughs> so uh, there's this guy have you ever heard of a man named peter turchin i have not okay so this is taken from uh obviously peter turchin.com he's very good at presenting himself out there so peter turchin is a scientist and an author who wants to understand how human societies evolve and why we see such a staggering degree of inequality in economic performance and effectiveness of governing among nations so basically, he's studying the breakdown of societies that we are currently seeing. Okay. So he is he kind of like the doomsday society type guy, or is he just trying to predict what's going to happen like next year? Yeah. So kind of answering that a little bit, Peter's approach to answering these questions blends theory building with the analysis of data. So he is the founder of a new transdisciplinary field of cleodynamics, which uses the tools of complexity in science and cultural evolution to study the dynamics of historical empires and modern nation states. So kind of simply put, he blends numbers and histories to form patterns. So he's not like a doomsday sayer. He's just basically someone who looks at the past, like analytically and historically and finds patterns. And that's what he's done with this. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. You know what? Uh, speaking of this, I can't count. How many times I've heard people talking about, you know, in previous years that every great empire falls and like they always are like, oh, America's just like, you know, ancient Rome and all this. I'm sure you've heard that before. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, hmm. yeah. So basically what I'm getting into in using Cleodynamics, Peter Turchin has found a pattern in the history of political violence that occurs every 50 years or so. And the pattern is really going to come to a peak, supposedly in the decade of 2020, early, like early 2020. Okay. So when you say, like, what sort of violence are we talking about here? Like a, a war or? Okay. So political violence, according to this man, is anything like in between. So you have like at the bottom, there's person versus person crime. And all the way at the top, you have like interstate war, like country versus country. Okay. So anything in between is like kind of like this political violence of like crime all the way up to murder 
okay. about like person versus person, all the way up to all out war between nations. Okay. So the stuff that's in between there. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. So according to Peter Turchin in a Vice interview that he did, there are three types of political violence. Now, this is group versus group violence, group versus individual violence, and individual versus group violence. And I'll jump into like what these three things are. So group versus group violence would be like the violence seen at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017 when you had like the Antifa assholes going up against like the alt-right assholes. That okay. kind of deal. Like group versus group. Gotcha. Uh, rioting like sides going at it. You also sometimes see it in uh, like the pro-choice, pro-life, you know – um, you see some of them skirmish to a smaller degree. It never quite as big as a Charlottesville, which was huge in 2017. So basically two opposing ideals that are so, um, what is it? Their belief is so deep that they're willing to commit violence for it. Against each other. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. They think that it's justified their group committing violence against another group. Gotcha. So- okay. So there's also the group versus individual violence, which is like when one of those two groups um, sees someone that they think is like a part of the other group and they attack that individual like out by themselves. So kind of like this would also be like a lynching uh, back, which would happen like in the 1960s, 1800s. That's also like this kind of situation, Uh, like a group like the KKK just lynching someone. Okay. Okay. So there's also the third one. I'll jump this one really quick. Individual versus group violence. Uh, this can be seen with like the mass shooting incidents that we've seen occurring like all over the country and have really increased in the last decade. Yeah. And that's kind of like how this is all going is he's saying that 2020 is the peak, but we've been building up towards this. So he's saying that 2020 is going to be worse than all the other years. Well, the peak is going to be around 2020. So it could have already peaked or it might peak this next year with the election and then simmer down. Like it's it's kind of hard to say because it's not really a predicting thing. So he's just saying that there is a trend like an um, kind of like peaks and valleys. And right now we're in a peak and we may have already gone over the peak or we might be coming towards the peak. I I hope (laughs) we're coming down from the peak because. Man, there's been so much of that shit. Yeah, it's been pretty bad over the past 10 years, especially the the last one, individual versus group. We've seen so many mass shootings and uh, yeah. all, of, all of that uh, violence occurring, really starting with Columbine, but really like escalating from there. Oh, like, it's yeah. It's been on a monthly basis now. We're seeing at least one or two or a few come out. Yeah, I know. I was... Uh... Uh, I was thinking about that recently because you and I were, I can't even remember when Columbine happened. I think I was, uh, was it was a seventh grade, maybe? Seventh grade, maybe? No. Yeah, like er- earlier, like fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. And I was just, I always remember, I'm like, I remember when it happened. And it's like that thought never crossed my mind that people would do that. And then it's just kind of been like, um, School shootings, public shootings, uh, just all sorts of weird shit like that. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, really, before then, you never heard about it. And then after, that was kind of like a that little point in history where everything changed, kind of like 9-11. 
like before Columbine, you would never have like those drills where you try to figure out like, what are you going to do? Like, where are you going to hide if there's a school shooting? And then after Columbine, all of a sudden, everyone had those drills. Yeah, I know. I can't, I always tell people that like, I can't even imagine being a kid. And like, that's something like we used to do fucking fire drills, tornado drills, obviously. And it's like now you do active shooter drills, which is uh, got to be terrifying. Yeah, definitely. So after 40 years of relative peace among citizens, political violence has increased in the last decade, like I just said. And this is according to Peter Turchin. Uh, So really, it's set to peak at the end of this decade at the beginning of next. And the last incident of heightened political violence was the time between the late 1960s and early 1970s, which saw a high number of political assassinations, race riots and violence against protesters. This also includes uh, the Kent State Massacre and the DNC riots in Chicago. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say they're uh, trying to think about it because that basically signifies the death of the uh, the hippie era and then what Vietnam and all that kind yeah, of. Yeah, the uh, basically the end to the like the 50s and 60s, early 60s can be seen as like kind of like the golden age, like the post-World War II. And then all of that shit started and like the baby boomers started to come into their own. Yeah. Type. Huh. So I wonder what, according to this guy, would cause it to uh, settle down. I suppose he wouldn't have any idea. Yeah. So one of the things that he says, I was going to get into this a tiny bit later, but I'll say it right now. One of the things that he says is, so there's this 50-year period. The generation that isn't really responsible but is doing a lot of this violence kind of grows up. And then the next generation remembers growing up with all of these like violent acts, and then they don't do any of that shit. And kind of like the, the deal that we're in now is the millennials, like almost like they're the ones who are doing a lot of these atrocities. Generation Z, though, they're a lot like Colmer and not as radical as like these like the millennials were when they were younger. Now, millennials are all in their like 30s or late 20s. Mm, Okay, Gen Z, the Zoomers, right? Yeah, the fucking. (laughs) Yeah, they're like if you meet them, they like don't really care that much. Well, they've got their phones in front of them and, you know, they're cool with that. That's kind of their their deal. Yeah, but uh, where's the cutoff for the Zoomers? Uh, ooh, it was trying to think. Uh, yeah, I don't even remember. Right, like if you were born in maybe like the nineties, you were a Generation Z. Like if you're turning eighteen, I think it was um a few years ago. You were the that was the start of the Generation Z turning eighteen was a few years ago. Okay, so maybe the the late nineties, early two thousands. Okay, because they didn't actually grow up in the new millennium. Like, they kind of grew up in the 2010s, so a little later than us. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, I almost think that it might be from 2000 on, but I could be could be wrong. But uh, I guess, technically, you and I are millennials, right? Yeah, we're kind of in that in-between group, the gen between Gen Z and uh, Generation Y. But I don't really like to think of myself as a millennial, because I didn't have internet growing up. So <laughs> I didn't have any of that shit. I didn't have internet until I was... 21 in college i thought basically that, in my own room i thought that was kind of one of the uh the mainstays of the gen z's is that they 
grew up in a in a world where like computers and internet were all accessible like they you can't imagine or with cell phones too you can't imagine a world without that stuff yeah definitely that's one of their deals is they like if you're a gen z like you couldn't imagine not having unless you're like living out in the backwoods and you are lucky to have dial up and it's not even worth using no like your god parents. no <laughs> i made a promise to myself though that i'm never going to be one of those fucking people who's like Back in my day, I didn't have goddamn internet. Like, shut the fuck up. I don't want to oh, ever God. be that I person. Oh, you're like that already? God damn it, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Stop I know, it. I'm getting fucking old. <laughs> so in the 50 years before the 1960s, uh, the turbulent times of the 1910s saw many violent occurrences between union and non-union members, including the bombing of the LA Times building and many other bombings throughout the decades. Race riots and violence against minorities also once again peaked during this time. Uh, this period was really like, I think we've actually talked about it before. And you guys on, I believe the bubble, but I was on, we talked about the bombings during this period. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah this was a very violent time. Uh, so the time before that was the night 1850s and 1860s. And that was in the time, like, just after the Civil War. Yeah. And the time during Reconstruction was absolutely terrible for, like, the KKK started up during that time. There were lynchings all across the country. Uh, It was really, really bad time. Jim Crow laws really started to get uh, put into legislation. There was also civil rights being curtailed among other minority groups, uh, Jewish, Asian, and Hispanic immigrants and citizens like a lot of laws were made to take away their rights. You know what? I don't know if you've realized you're doing this, but basically every one of these events that you've listed more or less is, uh, there's a, a war right around it. Yeah. Uh, the 1910s was pretty big. World War One, right after World War Two, and the Bush Wars that we just went through right now. So well, yeah. Well, you you basically did the Civil War. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. World War One, then you had Vietnam, more or less. So, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so, and it also all starts to go up against. There's there's always a backdrop about like individual people's rights too. I'm starting to notice, um, and the right to take away other people's rights, especially like in the 1860s and 70s. Yeah, that makes sense. When you were listing the like end of or the early seventies, um, that was basically a huge uh, push for civil rights and stuff. So um, that kind of makes sense why there'd be a calming period around then. Nineteen ten. I mean, oh, nineteen ten was a there was a lot of like voting rights, racial immigrants. There was also a huge union. Like yeah. it was, it led to the progressive era. Like it was huge union, non-union member times. Yeah, I was uh, obviously from, like you said on the other podcast, I mean, I've, I've spent so much time in that era. I'm literally doing it right now um, with uh, Charles Ponzi, you know, but that's yeah. more the like economical side of it that I've kind of paid attention to. But it was, uh, yeah, a lot of immigrants. I think the wealth was uh, pretty imbalanced. Uh, you know, it, it, it was an interesting time in America. Yeah, I listened to that episode today. You guys were talking about the Jewish Italian immigrants who 
were basically pushed out of southern Europe and Italy. Yeah. Russia at that time pushed out millions of like millions of Jews. Hundreds really? of thousands of Jews had to flee to the United States uh, in that same time period. Like Adam was saying, all the a lot of Jewish people were kicked out of Europe at that time. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea uh, Italy did that, you know, but I guess, you know, Russia has always kind of been, uh, I don't know, they've had a lot of questionable decisions <laughs> over the years. Yeah, they had a lot of pogroms that they, uh, <laughs> or pogroms, however you want to call it. They had a lot of those and it was really, really fucking bad, like to be a Jewish person. You were, if say like the water, like the well in your village went bad. You were the first person blamed. Like it was, oh, the Jewish guy must have poisoned it. Like you were the first person blamed for anything. Anything bad happened. It's like, uh, that's like uh, the witch witches and uh, witch trials and stuff. That's the same thing. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of that has to do with fucking uh, this. Yeah, the same. Well, uh, no. If if like unlike people- of the. If the if, if like people's crops uh were dying off or something, they assumed it was a witch's curse. So oh yeah, that's true. Probably because there wasn't a lot of Jews around at that time. <laughs> so they had to find somebody. <laughs> they always got to blame somebody for uh, your problems, I guess. But anytime uh, you have a bad hair day, <laughs> just so I, I was also gonna say like one of the little bright sides of this is there was a lot of like. Out of these situations, um, there was only like one in the three examples I gave. The era after, like the 1860s and 70s, got even worse with like the Jim Crow laws, the anti-immigrant laws, um, anti-minority laws, basically. But after the turbulence of the 1910s, we came into the progressive era. After the turbulence of the 1960s, we had like the big push for civil rights and like the rights of minorities. So, I mean, there might be like a light at the end of this tunnel hopefully it doesn't go to shit like it did in the 1870s and 80s but (laughs) uh yeah that's what i'm kind of getting out of all of this that if this guy is he believes we were nearing the end of it i mean obviously it'd be awesome if the whole uh active shooter thing would you know stop people stop doing that obviously that's fucking insanely atrocious um and whatever, yeah. whatever else, you know. So uh, hopefully that that means that we're nearing the end of it. That'd be much different world to live in. Um, but I feel like, let's say, like the shooters or like the groups versus groups or any of that. Like, if if we reached a point where it was becoming the end of that, I still feel like this generation right now is so scared that that's still gonna happen. It'll always kind of be in the back of your head. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, there was uh, like the bad shit that happened from these eras. Like the older people now are still scarred from thinking like that shit's going to happen. Like I remember talking to people when Obama got elected and a lot of the older people were like, well, I think he's going to get assassinated because they grew up in a time when they would see a person like him, either politically or, you know, like a racially like an African-American man, and they would think, oh, he's going to get assassinated because yeah. that's what people do, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they did also that kind of shit. Yeah, that's that's very true. I uh, feel like not that I would ever want any uh, political figure to be assassinated, but I feel like it's f- fucking almost impossible, man. They have so much goddamn security and so much 
uh, extra precautions for everything they do. Like, you're not going to pull it off. Yeah. Unless it, honestly, unless that person gets like that one in a million perfect timing situation, kind of like, I think Reagan, that happened where he just happened to be like right place, right time, right as Reagan was getting like either out of the building to his car or the other way around, or it gets let happen. Like it, someone lets it happen. One yeah. of those situations. They Epstein him. Yeah. One of those, <laughs> one of those deals. So uh, I was going to finish it off real quick. There's another kind of reason uh, in Turchin's like explanation of all of this. So in that 2012 Vice interview, when asked what is the cause of the violence, he answered, historically, the trouble has always come from people with power and the number of those people who want the most power. There are too many political entrepreneurs who are all trying to get power and they get frustrated, which is how revolutions start. When members of the elite try to overturn the political order to better suit themselves. Okay, well, I I can see that. You know, I, yes. I, that's not a fallacy, and I don't think that's that's not choosing any sort of political party or anything. That's just um, people want power. You know, whatever. So, oh yeah, um, it's, it's the oldest story. I mean, around. Even I, I was just watching this documentary on the War of the Roses. That all happened because there were basically these people called duchy or duchies that were created out of the royalty, and they all wanted more and more power. And that's kind of how the War of the Roses started. So it's really it's an old story of these you know people wanting more power. You get a little taste of it, and you keep pulling that string. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very valid point. It's kind of a uh, people wanting power is kind of, I guess, the human condition. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a flaw with human beings, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how else you'd put it. But uh, yeah, one of the one of the situations he does kind of include is there has been an increase in the number of millionaires over the past two or three decades. So they're not really the one percent anymore. These millionaires are now the two percent. All of these millionaires get very politically motivated and more and more money gets thrown into the political sphere. And that also is causing a lot of this, too. There's just so much at stake with all of this shit that it gets overhyped. So I think that a little bit, too. But that's pretty much the end of that. It's just kind of one of those things where it's you hope we're over the hill and that the worst is yet to come. But really looking at like 2016, that was mostly a meme war. Hopefully this is you know, just kept to the internet again. Not really, <laughs> not really like all out street violence and well, you know, group on group action. Well, I mean, uh, it, it's very interesting to see patterns with humanity. Obviously that's kind of what that is. Um, yeah. Like you said, hopefully we're kind of over the hump. The violence is gone. Uh, 2020 will be a uh, better outlook for everybody. Um, obviously I, my on uh, my 2020 wish list, I'm gonna put. Let's hope uh, maybe the government will declassify all the alien files or something, or UFO files, or maybe something in that direction. I think that'd be if we could live through that in our generation, like acknowledgement of other life in the galaxy. I think that would make my. I don't know. That'd be amazing. Um, do you have any 2020 wish list things, Phil? Uh, self-driving cars that are available to everyone and fully automated. So I don't have to touch that fucking steering wheel. Oh, <laughs> that'd be the greatest decade ever. If I just got that, I'd never want to drive again. I'm not a driver. I feel like we're a few year, a few decades off from that. 
I think we're, You're I think we're less than a decade. I mm. think I really think that like the next generation are you won't even have to be like in the front seat anymore. I mean, that would be amazing because who the hell wants to drive anywhere? Yeah, exactly. I would take that over like a lot of people want to see like hover cars. People want to see uh, some crazy people want to see like the biotech implants. I don't want to see that shit at all. Like I'm I'll be the like the lag art in that situation. Like I'll never have that shit put into my fucking body. But <laughs> self-driving cars, I would totally trust the robot in that situation. So you're not afraid of the robots rising up? No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. No, well, I've I've got my uh, I've I've got my robot vacuum. I got Kirby, and uh, he takes care of the floors for me now. So <laughs> I'm uh, I'm stage one in this. Uh, you know what? I could see that becoming a big conspiracy in 2020. Is like the. Uh, the AI thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. The supercomputers taking over. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. But uh, but anyway, yeah, we've been going for a while here. So why don't we why don't we mosey on out of here? We're going to we're going to put the uh, usual ending credits on uh, on hiatus for right now. We'll be back next week with a regular episode. Actually, we're going to pick up uh, what, Phil? CIA part two going to finish off with them spooks. Yep finish off with the uh, CIA part two it's gonna be uh it's gonna be an interesting one I've got some stuff uh all ready to go and yeah hopefully I uh I don't have my car hijacked electronically so <laughs> hopefully not um but uh the final thing here is uh I know any of the alien stuff that I talked about definitely uh, give a google to any of those and look at the pictures and see for yourself it's very fascinating so um otherwise guys we'll uh we'll see you next week all right thanks guys